Good evening and welcome to Faith Reformed Baptist Church. It's good to be here. And before I begin, I would like to ask that the Lord be with us and that he help me preach. Let's go to the Lord. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your kindness, your patience, your long-suffering. And Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for volunteering to die for our sins. We thank you for the robe of righteousness that we have, that we might have God in our presence today. Father, we also pray, may your word be made clear. Holy Spirit, come and help us. Open the hearts of those who need to hear. Save sinners. Bless your people. Receive honor and glory, Lord. And please receive our worship. May your word be made clear and Christ be lifted up. We pray these things in our Lord's name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> now, this will be the second time I preach this message. I preached it this morning, and so I'm sure it won't be the same. I can't do the same thing twice. It just doesn't work that way. This morning, I said this is the first time I've ever preached from this book. This is the second time. It is a difficult book for me. It's a difficult book to understand. It is a, a sobering book. I would like to read the first chapter to you to put us in the right mindset, and then I will read the text from which I want to make my point. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1, I'm reading from the ESV. <clears throat> the words of the preacher, the son of David in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun goes down, and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south, goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. Man cannot utter. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. There is a thing which is, it is said, see, this is new. It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of latter things, yet to be among those who come after. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of men to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity, and a striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. 
and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived this, that this is also but a striving after wind. For in such wisdom is much vexation, and he who is increases knowledge increases sorrow. This is how the book of Ecclesiastes begins. Now, before we go any further, I'm going to read chapter 12, verses 9 through 14. This is the conclusion, and we will be covering most of the material in this book from a very high altitude. We won't be going over all 12 chapters, but I will want to have you understand the contents of this book. And so in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 9, we read this. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote the words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Go fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will give every deed into judgment, and every secret thing, whether good or evil. <clears throat> I don't know if you know anything about the 100-acre uh, wood and the Christopher Robin and Piglet and all those characters. Uh, you may or may not know them, but there is a character among them, a stuffed animal called Eeyore. You know who that is? That's a little stuffed donkey. This particular character does nothing but complain. He is depressed. He is always looking at the sad things. You tell him what a wonderful day it is. He'll say, I think it'll rain. Many times people look at this book and they think that the preacher is Eeyore. They think that, you know, if you want to get cheered up, don't go to the book of Ecclesiastes. It seems like the preacher took a sad pill. He seems to not understand that the Lord is with him, that we stand in Christ and nothing can take us out of God's hand. But that's really not his point. It's really not what he's trying to convey. We can see that in the end, the preacher had something to say. And this is going to address the heartache of man, of all men. The doctrine I want you to take home is this. Serving God from a humble heart while resting in Christ is the most effective way to live to the glory of God. But up against the backdrop of a world full of sin and chaos, let's phrase it this way. Living for the glory of God in a fallen, sinful world makes your service to God all the more pleasing to God. You see, we live to glorify God, but we live in a world filled with chaos. And moral chaos is injustice. When God comes back, you see at the very end, he tells us the whole duty of man, keep the commandments, fear God. And he gives a reason, why? For God is going to come back and judge. See, we live in a world where justice is undone. 
We find beauty and it's destroyed. We find peace and then we find war. There is no justice in this world. Justice comes along when it suits man. But justice is going to make order out of chaos. The chaos is sin. It's moral chaos. I want you to arm yourself with some ideas before we get started because the preacher does a good job at saying there is no hope in this world. The preacher does an excellent job in that. Arm yourself with the knowledge that God is sovereign. Because you see, the idea that the world is in chaos means that no one is in charge. The idea that sin is here means that God is not doing what we want God to do. That's where the world would say that, of course. God is doing exactly what He wants to do, and I'm glad He's doing it. Amen. We must arm ourselves with the knowledge that God is sovereign and that Christ is on His throne. We must also arm ourselves with the knowledge that Jesus Christ, His atoning work, enables us to stand before a holy God. Now, standing in this world, the flesh can use anything it wishes. As a matter of fact, they can use lying to get ahead. They can use deceptions to make themselves powerful. They can do almost anything. The world can do these things. But not God's people. Actually, God's people find themselves at a bit of a disadvantage. Because among our tools that we use for success, lying and thievery is not in our toolbox. We cannot use these things. But the world has them at their beck and call. We must arm ourselves with the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. We must have the Spirit and the Word, those two things, the means of grace. The Spirit of God working within us, taking the Word that we know to be true from the very lips of God to help us serve Him in this present evil world. Why do we need to arm ourselves before we hear a preacher? Why do we need to prepare ourselves? Because I'm telling you, the Word from the preacher is devastating. It'll break your heart. It's because everything in this world, everything that is in and of this world, will not ever provide you with any permanent comfort, peace, and purpose. Mm -hmm. And he will make that clear to you. Mm -hmm. Nothing in this world. Everything in this world is vanity. Everything. When a person seriously searches for meaning and purpose, and they have rejected Christ, I'm telling you there is nothing but despair and hopelessness. The only true purpose and meaning in life in this present evil world is to be in Christ and to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. If you want to live to the glory of God, you must live by faith because there is no other way. Everything else is dead to God. This world is dead to God. His Spirit is when the people right now, everything I'm going to make some, uh, some observations from a high altitude from this entire book. I can't go through every chapter. That's impossible. But I want you to get the feel of what's being said before we get into the text itself. Ecclesiastes is one of the books of the wisdom books. We have books that are in a certain section of our Bible. Uh, the Psalms, the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. They've been put together in a certain place. And, and this is one of the wisdom books. But I seldom hear messages from it. The teacher in this case, now we read it in our scriptures as translated the preacher, because it is a teacher of an assembly. What do you call that? You call that a preacher, okay? And so what we have is a character in this book. And I call him a character because 
the author actually introduces them to you. And at the end, the author comes back and kind of says, well, what did you think of the teacher, of the, of the preacher? What do you think of that? And then he says, well, let me warn you. The making of many books is the weariness of the flesh. Let me warn you. You need to fear God, keep his commandments. That's the author speaking. But the author and the teacher, I believe, are the same person. I believe that the, that the author is just a little bit shy and a little bit humble about presenting himself because he says, let me introduce the preacher to you. He's very smart. He's very wise. He's done all these things. He's just too humble to say, that's me. And so we have a character that he presents to you. The word is koheleth. It means preacher. In my opinion, it's probably Solomon himself. So, as the author introduces the teacher, he begins his dissertation with just saying, vanity, everything is vanity, it's a vanity of vanities. Now this particular word vanity is translated in different ways in different uh, Bibles. In the, in the King James and in the ESV, it's translated uh, vanity or emptiness or something that is just without meaning. But in the Hebrew, the word is hevel, and you know that I'm not a Hebrew expert, but I can read a dictionary and I understand what the definitions mean. The word literally means vapor or smoke. Now in a 12 chapter book, which should be read all at once, this is a preacher giving you a sermon. Now, it's, it's not as though you can't take out gems out of it and study it and say, this is an excellent two verses, and this is, this is very good, this is very good, this is very confusing. But it should be, if you want to take the message of Ecclesiastes, should be read all at one time. And in that time that you read it, 38 times the preacher says, this is, this is also vanity. This is useless, and this is empty. And if you try this, you'll find it does not help you. Let me tell you everything that doesn't help you. You thought you may have purpose. You thought you could do this. No, you can't. You can't do any of it. It's worthless to you. And so this word is more of a metaphor of your life. Now we read in James, What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. That's what James tells us. Remember when he told us that in his, in his epistle? He was doing that in order to, to inform you, remain humble before God. It's a good thing to make plans. It's a good thing to say, we need to plant in order to harvest. But beware of you saying, and next year I'm going to do this, and the year after that I'm going to do that, and I'm going to build a castle. No, he says this. If the Lord will, you should say that. You don't know if you're going to live for next year, because this world is full of chaos. Now, I know that something's going to come up. As a matter of fact, the preacher said, it just goes on and on and on. The mountains remain. You're not. You will not remain. As a matter of fact, we may not even be here before the end of the service. I, my heart could just stop right now. I don't know. But I do know that a mountain will remain in its place. The sun will rise until the Lord changes these things. But what is kind of disrupting of the heart, kind of a, an, a, a fuel to the fire of hopelessness when it comes to does your life have meaning? And can we find out the answers that the soul really wants to know? Well, it works like this. In this world of chaos, and uh, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a paradox. The world you can look at and say, it's so stable. 
Look at the sun, always there. Look at the moon, always there. This mountain has been there since the beginning. It's always stable. But, you know, there's a lot of things that just are not. You know, the heart of what is not stable is us. Everything about us. I've told you before about the uh, chaos theory, right? When you get down to the little details, there's no way to, to really anticipate or predict anything. Our lives are like that cream poured in a cup of coffee. You can't tell how it's going to swirl around. And this word smoke is like smoke coming up, and you can see it. It's right there, but you can't grab it. You can't take it. Once you try to hold it, it actually disappears faster. The slightest breeze just makes it disappear. Well, that's us. The mountain will be here, and you won't be here. You may climb the mountain, but in a hundred years, they won't know your name. That mountain's still here, and you're gone. Life has beauty in it, doesn't it? But what is, what is so strange about this present evil world that has moral chaos in it, is that, that beauty is always going to be destroyed by war, by death, by disease. Something takes it away. You cannot find purpose and meaning in life by saying, I'm going to seek out beauty and just love what is beauty. It'll never be here. It'll be destroyed. All of our efforts... You can try and try and try. I don't know what I'll do. I'll, I'll achieve things. I've always wanted to do this. No. If you achieve it, you may pat yourself on the back for a short time, but time will sweep you away and you'll be forgotten. I'm sorry to tell you this, but no one's going to remember you in a hundred years. In about two weeks after I'm dead, they won't even miss me. I mean, maybe Glinda... But I'm telling you, we are destined to be forgotten in this world. And so I want you to, I want you to understand that the preacher is trying to get you to understand something. He has already gone down all the dead-end streets that people will say, well... I just know that if I work hard, I can achieve happiness. I can achieve the purpose of life. Well, I hope you do. Work hard. Working hard is a good thing to make what you can out of this life. But it'll never create any type of purpose for you. Why? Because, frankly, time's running out and you're going to die. And that's all there is. All that hard work, useless. You cannot say, I'm going to make something new. They'll never forget me. I'll make... There's nothing new under the sun. Someone else has already done it, and they've already been forgotten. That's it. They've already been in the past. Wisdom. Even the preacher said, I sought out wisdom. He even asked the Lord for it, and the Lord was pleased with that and gave it to him. And look what he did. He wrote this book and said, Wisdom is not the answer. Wisdom is only make, it'll only make your search more vexing because you know the problem even more than the person who doesn't know it.
There are people who live their lives and in prob probability, most people will live and complete their lives without any type of knowledge of God and they will be forgotten. And you say, I just wanted to be in, you know, encouraged tonight. There is an encouragement behind this because you see, if you don't face what is hopeless, it'll always be in the back of your head, the back of your heart. It'll be there gnawing away like a termite, eating that great big new house you built you thought that would bring you happiness. And it'll eventually give way to time. The preacher tried pleasure. He did not withhold anything from himself. And it was fun. It was pleasurable. But it became useless to achieve his goal. What can make me endure? What happens to me when I die? What happens to my soul? I had pleasure, but it's gone. It's always like, I'm going to party this weekend, but you know what comes? Monday comes. No matter what you achieve, eventually the hearst shows up. And that's it. It's all vanity. Your life is like a smoke. It may be seen a second and the breeze comes and you're gone. And no one can stop it. No one can stop it. It cannot be prevented. You cannot stop time. You cannot stop death. Those are the two things that the preacher addresses here. Time. Remember that chapter in chapter 3? Some of you, or most of you, are old enough to remember the song from 1960s. Turn, turn, turn. Right? To everything there is a season. Time to gather, a time to throw away, time to do this, time to do that. And then there's a time to die. Time is not on your side. Everything that's in the future, you'll say, oh, I'm looking forward to that. But the present, it, the present seems to be that knife's edge that allows the future to become the past. And then it's gone. The past is done. One day you will be in the past. And it's vanity. It's nothing but smoke. Those two things, time and death. When, this, when the preacher looked at this, he said to himself, well, surely it's better. Hard work is better than being a sloth. Having pleasure is better than being, you know, unhappy all the time. Being wise is better than being a fool. However, when it comes to death, the wise dies like the fool. Not as a fool, but they both die. You say, well, well, maybe the wise man lives longer. No, he doesn't. The, pre the preacher says, time and chance happeneth to all. Sometimes in this present evil world where chaos, especially moral chaos, is in, seems to be everywhere. Sometimes we look at a man and say, oh, that's a good man. Now, I know there is no good men. As a matter of fact, R.C. Sproul said one time, um, bad things don't happen to good people. Except for one time. It only happened to one man. Bad things happened to a good person one time and he volunteered. And that was a good phrase. I like that. I like what he said. But when we look at people that try to be good, bad things still happen to them. Mm -hmm. And you look at a bad man and good things seem to happen to them. 
So what's the rule? What, what happens? Is there something that we can play this game where we can live longer or we can prosper by following the rules? But it seems like the rules don't apply. It seems like life is just haphazard. I could, li I could live like the devil and just live as long as anybody else and maybe even prosper. But God's people are called to live in this world in a holy way. In a holy way. And sometimes... Doing the right thing can even shorten your life. And sometimes living a holy life can even make you hungry. And sometimes living a holy life and walking in a holy way after God can even cause you to, to lose so many things. Pleasure, family, all these things. And you say, well, what is that? Well, it's it's vanity. It's emptiness. It's, it's just that smoke. And so what do we do? You know, ER. Oh, I don't want to be a Christian. Or, you know, by the way, this is, this is out of nowhere, but you know, ER, it's, it's an English thing. ER is the sound that a donkey makes in England. See, we say hee-haw. They say ER. That's why he has that name. And so when it comes to that person, ER... That's us. Is it? Well, I don't want it to be us. I don't want to be that depressed person. I want to be the one that says, I'm going to do the right thing, and if it kills me, so be it. Remember who said that? Not in those words. If he slay me, I will trust in him. I will trust him, though he slay me. Who said that? Job. Job said that. Job knew that God was sovereign and that he was in control, and that everything is in control. And now I want you to consider this before I get too far. God spoke to Job, and when he did so, do you know where he spoke to Job from? The whirlwind. Now, there is nothing in chaos more than a whirlwind. And this world is in moral chaos. But we need to understand that these two things are true. God is in complete control, and this world is in complete chaos. But it is God who speaks from the whirlwind. He speaks to us from the whirlwind. He is in control of that whirlwind and in this world. And we just have to say to ourselves, what am I supposed to learn about this? Well, don't expect your life to be the way you think it should be. You're going to be very unhappy. You're going to be saying, my life is like a mist and the very smallest things destroys everything I've ever wanted. I always wanted that house or that white picket fence. I never got it or I got a mansion. Who knows what's going to happen to your life? But we must see the fact that our God is in control and he speaks to us out of that whirlwind. How do we spend our time in this world in the way God wants us to? Because we should not consider our lives in the perspective of this is the way it ought to be. My life ought to be like this. You need to stop thinking like that. You need to say to yourself, what is my life like and how can I serve God in that life? Because your life is based upon do you want this nice house? You only have to sin to get it. You know what that means? Well, you don't get the house. 
here's a lot of money. All you have to do is steal or lie. Well, you know what that means? You're not rich. All these things that the world says, meaning is at the end of that street. But to achieve the end of that street, all you have to do is walk in sin? Then that's not your street. Your life is defined by the decisions that please God. And you cannot just say, my life ought to be like this, and I'm going to get there no matter what. No, no. Your path is going to be decided by the moral decisions that God lays before you. That's what's going to determine your life. Your life is like a vapor. How do we move forward? We move forward with the idea that we have to recognize the fact that we live in a truly moral chaos. And that our life is not going to be what, we ought, what it ought to be for us. We need to accept that. It's almost like, accept the fact you're going to die and that's it. No, no, no. We need to, buy, we need to die well. Because, you see, Christ has enabled us with the truth of the gospel. And a love of him, the love of holiness, to enable us to navigate through this chaos. To walk through the whirlwind. Have you ever seen the results of a tornado? Some of these things are amazing. I mean, you, you, people walk up to a tree and there's a straw stuck in a tree put there by a tornado. You find a bathtub out in the field. Where'd that come from? It came out of that house. Well, the house is still there. How did that bathtub get out of it? it? Put a hole in the roof and just sucked it out. Chaos is something else. And our life is chaos, especially moral chaos. We should not say to ourselves, this is not the way my life should have been. No, it should be the way God designed it, based upon your desire to live a holy life and to keep the commandments of God because you have feared Him. You have learned who the Almighty is and you have seen the need of your Savior. And Christ has come and that was great news. And now that you have been armed with the righteousness of Christ, to stand, to stand in this world. Well, then keep walking in faith, doing what pleases God. Because now is the time to please Him when you can do so in a morally chaos world. One day there will be no sin. Everything will be put in order. Justice will reign. That's called the Judgment Day. And that day is coming. And therefore, one day it will be like that. And we can glorify God there. We'll be singing His praises. But this is a special place. A special place. Where we can serve God by resisting evil. By doing what is right. Fear God and keep His commandments. This is the whole duty of man. For God will bring everything into judgment. The march of time and the march of death is not going to be slowed down. The idea of judgment is there. Do not fear judgment. Judgment is like somebody cleaning up the room. This room is in chaos. Well, let's just fix it all up. Let's make it right. And that's what God is going to do. He's going to make all things right. Every moral thing, every injustice, every unrighteousness. But we need to be part of that now. 
starting with your own heart, starting with your own life. He that, he that is able to take his own heart is mightier than one that can take a city. And therefore, let your life be that battleground where you can walk with God, living to the glory of God in this present evil world. When you do this, you may not become rich, you may not become healthy, it may not make your days longer, but it will bring pleasure to God. It'll bring a smile to His face. I want you to think about the power that you have. And what power do you have? Can you make yourself taller? Can you make yourself, you know, grow more hair? Remember, it reminds me of what the, what the Lord said, don't worry about tomorrow. I mean, the worries of tomorrow have, has its own worries. Mm. You know, you need to, right now, live for today. Mm. And what is today, you cannot buy your worry do anything. And then he, he added, by the way, can one of these lilies make themselves, you know, they are so beautiful. Can, was Solomon himself arrayed more than that? And yet you yourselves are precious to God. Mm. And therefore, we need to see that our abilities are not in our strength to keep ourselves alive. But our ability is to please God in obeying His commandments and putting a smile on His face. And He'll say, when He's being accused, Have you considered my servant? And you can put your name in that place. Have you considered my servant? And, can, and think about that. You do know what Satan was trying to do, right? With Job. He said, if you take all that away, you know, the smoke, uh, the vanity, the mist. You take all that stuff away that makes his life pleasurable. He'll curse you to your face. And now we are called not only to not curse God to his face, but to bless him. Yes. To bless the name of God Amen. when Satan comes and with a wind takes your family away and takes your wealth away and puts boils on your bodies. He does all that. What do you think Job felt like? What in the world's going on? It seems like chaos is all broke out. But he did not accuse God foolishly. <laughs> this is what the preacher is talking about. We need to listen to the hopelessness of a man trying to live his life the way he thinks it ought to be. And he needs to understand there is only one God. Fear God. Keep His commandments. You can be a happy person and have, and, and have nothing that the world treasures. You don't need what the world treasures. Have what God treasures. The ability to do good at any cost, at any expense. Who else can put the smile on the face of God than a saved sinner? Who strives to do what is pleasing to Him? Who is living a holy life. Now I only have one application that I want to give you. It has to do with a, a term that I made up myself. And you've heard me say it before, I call it the mercenary Christian. You know, the Christian that is kind of like a, a, a gun for hire. You know, he serves God when he gets what he wants out of it. And today's gospel is filled with it. When I say today's gospel, I'm talking about the modern uh, gospel that's so appealing to the world and so appealing to the flesh. In other words, God wants you healthy, He wants you wealthy, He wants you uh, to live your best life right now, and so on. And the Christian, or the, uh, and, and I, don't get me wrong, a mercenary Christian is really not a Christian. It's just a title I'm giving him. 
But when a man hears that type of offer, that type of bargain, that I can do this, serve God, and this is my pay. That's the man, if the hedge is removed, like Satan said, he will curse God to his face. He will walk away from God. If you don't pay a mercenary, they quit. Because mercenaries work for the money. They work for what they get. And in this world, you can pull this verse right out of Ecclesiastes chapter 8. And this is what, knowing this, is going to help prevent mercenary Christianity around us. In Ecclesiastes 8 verse 11, we read this. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Now, what that means is that in this world that is filled with moral chaos, there is no justice being dispensed. A man sins, and he looks around for justice, and it doesn't happen. And so what does he do? Well, I got something out of it. I'm going to keep going forward. But what does God's people do? They're convicted of sin. And they have been judged in their hearts by the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God, and they repent. They execute judgment themselves. This man quits his sin and walks with God. This man continues on unless he gets a, bit, a better deal. Unless someone offers him, well, you can be right with God and do this and this and this. Repentance is optional for you. No. The idea that there is a moral chaos and that the judgment is, is going to be not executed immediately makes our case all the easier to understand that we cannot be that person. We cannot be a mercenary. That's not for us. It is not for us. The preaching of the real gospel will eliminate the mercenary relationship with God. We need to understand that. And so with that, I'd like to conclude with these ideas. We must learn in this present evil work to navigate, I mean world, to navigate through this chaos of evil. We need to learn to walk in holiness before God. We need to walk in holiness before the Lord when the flesh can see no profit in it. This is very glorifying to God. To walk in holiness before the Lord when the flesh sees no profit in it. We need to keep our hope alive for the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is not of this world. And this world can see no profit in it. To keep our hope in the kingdom of God when there is no profit in this world is very honoring to God. We look for a city whose foundation is maker of God. God made the foundation of that city. That is the achievement. That is the prize. Living by faith. Walking in holiness. Hoping for the kingdom. Living by faith, that is our calling. The world demands empirical truth and verification. But what do we have? We have the convicting work of the Holy Spirit and the truth of Scriptures. Mm -hmm. Living by faith 
in a present evil world is pleasing to God. Trusting his promise. Trusting his promise when he tells us the truth. When you're in Christ, we're able to stand in this present evil world and we're able to stand before God and we will stand in that great day of judgment. Trusting in his promises will enable us to do what we need to do. Serving God from a humble heart while resting in Christ is the most effective way to live to the glory of God. Remember what the preacher said. Your life is like a vapor. Your life is a smoke. It's just a smoke. It's going to blow away. And your grave is coming. And pleasure is not going to take you anywhere beyond this life. Wealth will not take you anywhere beyond this life. Achievements. Now believe me, hard work is good. The preacher said that wisdom is better than the fool, just like light is better than darkness. So the wisdom doesn't say, oh, you don't need to be wise. No, he just says that it's vanity in this life. That's all, because your life is still smoke. It is still vapor. But he also said, it's as better as light is better than darkness. And so we need to walk before God, learn to fear our God, keeping his commandments, the commandment of Christ. Time and chance happens to all. I can't stand here and say, if you do this, you'll live a long, happy life. No, I can't say that. I have no idea what's going to happen to you. But I can tell you this. You walk in holiness with Christ. And no matter how difficult your life is, you will be in the presence of God. And that is a very, very joyful place to be. A joyful place to be. You don't have to be rich to be joyful. You don't even have to live long to be joyful. You don't have to be good looking to be joyful. You can just be you and be joyful. Remember that we have this ability to please God by walking in fear before him. How pleased is God when he observes his, his sheep following the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This world is in moral chaos, but we follow the lamb. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we now ask that you would provide us with wisdom. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us strength and wisdom to not be vexed by the very idea that our lives are not what we thought they ought to have been, but that our lives are being guided by your hand, perhaps even in pathways of, of pain and of sorrow. But we do so based upon our desire to be holy, to please you, because holiness is the everlasting beauty and you are the fountainhead of all true beauty you are the fountainhead of all that is virtuous and you are our inheritance and we look forward to the time when we pass from this life 
we look forward to the time of our death because this world is going to be gone one day and we know that we will be in your presence forever and that the things that we do will be judged, good or bad. And we pray, Lord, that you have entrusted to us that which is pleasing to you, that we might serve you with all of our hearts. We pray this in our Lord's name. Amen.